Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Barbie Kong. This is your host, Katie Repman. We've got a great show for you today. We are talking with Miss Megan Loney and Miss Shoshana Tarkov about their new play, Two Solid Fresh, that will be streamed Friday, August 28th at 8 p.m. and Thursday, September 3rd at 7.30 p.m. And each show will be followed by a talkback. This is a great uh, play, and I hope that you all get to check it out. We're going to get into that in the episode. And if you need more information, you can go to likefreshskin.org, which is their website. Again, that's likefreshskin.org. Further ado, we will get into our episode. Glasses. They look so profesh. Um, all right. So we are here with Miss Megan and Miss Shoshana. Can you pronounce your last name for me just so that I get it correct? Shoshana? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's Shoshana Tarko. Okay, awesome. And you guys are both here to talk about an upcoming performance that you are going to be doing through Zoom. And can you just tell us first a little bit about um, Two Solid Fresh? Flesh, sorry, because I just want to get an idea of what the company is and what you guys are. Yeah. Um, so the, the, our theater company is like fresh skin. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's an immersive theater company, which utilizes, um, technology and new modes of presenting to champion untold feminist stories through text-based narratives. Mm -hmm. Um, and two solid flesh is our most recent production, uh, which was written by Megan. Mm -hmm. uh, and directed by myself and was created entirely to be performed on Zoom. Nice. And first, can you just tell me, I guess Megan can answer this, but just tell me a little bit about what the play is about and what your inspirations are. I know you took three Shakespeare plays and kind of drew from that. So what was the initial kind of inspiration and spark? And did you write this during quarantine? Indeed, actually. <laughs> uh, let's backtrack and we can speak to the genesis of yes, yes. this piece. Shoshana called me early in quarantine uh, when everything started slowing down. And I think it was, you know, basically the honeymoon phase of quarantine. Mm -hmm. right? Like everybody was still feeling really good about it. They're like, it's like a paid vacation. <laughs> and was really afraid. Uh, and she was just kind of like, do you want to make something? We have some time. Right. <laughs> um, it was it was such a great opportunity for both of us, I think, because we had been working so hard in different areas mm -hmm. to really take pause and go, yeah, let's let's create, let's take this moment, and instead of feeling lost and feeling kind of disconnected, let's make something. Mm -hmm. um, so thus, Two Solid Flesh was born, but it wasn't that easy. I didn't just, you know, <laughs> I didn't have like a nine-month pregnancy in two minutes. <laughs> I, it was a whole process, and we were lucky enough in the past to have worked with students from Adelphi University, mm -hmm. our daughter. We won't say when we graduated, but Adelphi puts it all over their website, so I'm sure anyone mm -hmm. who's that interested can figure it out. <laughs> um, and that's actually, I'm, I just, that's actually where Megan and I met. Uh, was as un as undergrads at Adelphi. Nice. Um, Which is, because yeah. Katie and I are grad school compatriots. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, yes. New school. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> um, can I just pause for one second? So Shoshana, are you a playwright as well or? No, no. Um, I, Megan and I met when we were both acting at Adelphi in the conservatory. And mm -hmm. then uh, she went on to do playwriting 
And I went on to do um, a lot of directing. And then I got my master's from NYU in performance studies um, with a focus on uh, digital art and digital performance art. Nice. That's really cool. I love that. That's awesome. Okay. Um, so yeah. just go back to the genesis of this. <laughs> I'm so sorry. My headphones aren't connecting. Is oh, it really awful? No, no, no. It's fine. It's okay. It's, yeah, it sounds fine. I feel like a fraud. They're just not connecting. Um, <laughs> so what ended up happening is I will pause for the ice cream truck. I was just going to say, is that an ice tra- cream truck? <laughs> That's I, I live tell. in East Harlem and there's literally 20 every hour. I no, mean, it's I great. How, how everyone has not had a heart attack up here. So right. <laughs> um, basically what happened is we called up all these students that we've worked with in the past. We did a production at Adelphi called Words Like Fresh Skin about the poet Edna St. Vincent Millay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... We, we just kind of gauged their interest. A lot of them had been denied their spring productions. They'd just mm. been on them. Mm-hmm. So we got lucky in that a great many of them were available and interested to come participate in this, this crazy wild project. Um, we gave them a questionnaire. Mm-hmm. And on the questions, it was just basically like, how are you feeling right now? What's your biggest fear? We kind of dug deep, right? <laughs> um, and out of it came all of these very big feelings. I was, I think both of us were very impressed by how candid and honest they were. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't stop listening. <laughs> stop goes the weasel. Uh, we were just so impressed with how like candid and honest they were that I thought to myself and often like, Back when we started this company, Shoshana and I have always talked about what does a Shakespeare adaptation look like? Mm -hmm. I think that's a question a lot of us ask ourselves because what does it mean to adapt Shakespeare? Um, And this was born, this weird cross-pollination of Hamlet, Romeo and Juliet and the Tempest, because I felt like these, these themes of being like abandoned back in their homes, feeling hopeless, feeling like lost, we're all very Shakespearean and that's Mm -hmm. how we ended up here. Um, Mm -hmm. And I developed it over the course of the rehearsal process. So they started working on act one before I completed act two. (laughs) Um, Nice. Awesome. Always good. (laughs) I was so impressed, honestly, with how game they were. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's rare with a lot Mm -hmm. of actors. They were just up for whatever and they were willing to try things out and, I so came in from, a script revision. So from the questionnaires, that's how you got the, that like they worked with you on, on the script or it was solely you and they were kind of giving you feedback or how did it, how did the process I, work? I went into a dark room called my bedroom <laughs> and I wrote the script. Okay. Uh, what would happen is I would take feedback and input, but it was not devised. It was, I wrote the script and Shoshana directed it. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we work is mm, okay, got it, got it. traditional, mm-hmm. but it is its own beast. I would mm-hmm. say that it's not like a traditional process by any means. Mm-hmm. No, it's after- super, it's super collaborative, you know? Um, and I think Megan was really inspired. It seemed to me from these, this question answer session with the students. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, inspired sort of by emotional kernels of what they were feeling. Um, And like feelings that are really like astronomical for a college student, 
Like, mm-hmm. and I think that's what led to this idea of this was the time to do our Shakespeare adaptation. Because mm-hmm. one of the things with Shakespeare, you know, as a director, when you're when you're dealing with college students is you're always like, raise the stakes, raise the stakes, raise the stakes. Like they are living life and death. And, and as college students, there's a lot of uh, difficulty connecting with material where the stakes are so high. And for a lot of these students, they were suddenly living life and death in their real life because of coronavirus in a way that like no 19 and 20 year old should usually have access to, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And -hmm. I think so we, we came out of this question and answer session, just sort of like kind of like the wind was knocked out of you with the raw emotional, like feelings these, these college students were having and they're, you know, at least personally, I went into the question and answer thinking that the college students were going to want like, comedy and a light escape and (laughs) and something to sort of like you know get away from reality and what they really wanted from us was a way to work through it yeah um yeah and so this seemed like a really opportune moment to like take on that Shakespeare because Mm -hmm. the stakes are so high in Shakespeare Mm -hmm. um Megan did such a fantastic job at weaving you know those particular narratives Hamlet Romeo and Juliet and the Tempest there are teenagers in these plays that these characters are like 14 years old. Um, and like identifying these narrative arcs from Shakespeare and then cross pollinating and contemporizing them in such a way that they felt really relatable for the students that we work with. Totally. I was just going to ask of why you chose those specific three, because I do think they're pretty big juggernauts of the, of the lexicon on Shakespeare. I mean, I love Romeo and Juliet. That's like one of my, I mean, it is, that's probably my favorite one just because it is, they are like what, 14, they are 12, 13, 14 in that. And they're dealing with, yeah, this, I I like this idea of this life and death that we've all kind of had to endure during this time. So after you kind of had that concept, what was the next step of the process? You started rehearsals or how, how did the next evolution yeah. go. Well, while I was still working on act two, Shoshana started in on rehearsals with them on act one. Mm-hmm. Um, and our company works um, very tech forward. So virtual theater has been an organic transition for us. Mm-hmm. I think Shoshana can speak more to her background and her technical work. Um, but it's kind of like the cornerstone of some of even some of the in-person work we've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we so, want to incorporate immersive technology where we can. Mm-hmm. And how did, okay, so just pausing with the virtual theater, if you want to speak to that, because I'm actually quite interested in that right now, because this question mark of like what theater is going to be, where, when are we going to see it again? I mean, me and my husband are doing some outdoor theater right now, which has been great. And But it's just this big kind of thing as an artist that we don't know specifically with theater because film is a different beast in itself. Um, but how do you, how do you incorporate this virtual platform into rehearsals or into a performance? Yeah. So I think um, there's so many questions wrapped up in that question. Um, <laughs> but I think um, to begin with, I think, um, you know, prior to COVID, more and more we're seeing the integration of new media into live performance. Um, everything from simplistic projections to 
um, you know, more complicated holograms to augmented reality and virtual reality being slowly integrated into theatrical experiences, which aren't being marketed as like wear a VR headset. Um, and so I think anytime that a, a medium changes, um, there's a lot of really interesting work and there's a lot of really terrible work. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think um, for me as someone who works in that like interstices between tech and art, um, it's always about the why. Like, can you tell this story without the tech? If so, why are you adding the tech? Mm -hmm. uh, is it necessary? Does it advance the narrative? Does it make the experience for the audience more immersive, more interactive, more visceral? Um, what are you accomplishing by adding tech on top of theater? Um, because theater is such a beautiful art form by itself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just like with adapting Shakespeare for any reason or contemporizing it, I think the question is always why um, and what do you gain? <clears throat> yeah, I think that's I think, really interesting when you think about like even in musical theater, why they sing a song. Yeah. <laughs> you sing. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's not a good musical unless they're not driven to song. And it's the only thing they can do in the moment. So I actually think that's a really brilliant explanation of why incorporate tech, why make it virtual um, mm -hmm. that none of us have really even thought about to this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think um, there's, you know, there's been some really good examples of how tech drove a narrative theatrical performance forward. I think um, the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime comes mm -hmm. to mind. Mm -hmm. um, I think... It's a great um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, absolutely fantastic. And without the tech, you mm -hmm. would not have been, as an audience member, or at least I can only speak for myself, as an able-bodied audience member, I would not have been put in the position of understanding the main character in the same way, were mm -hmm. it not for the technical elements. Mm -hmm. um, I think shows like Dear Evan Hansen, um, when it launched was on the forefront of sort of like the how social media barrages you. Um, and I think there's lots of really great examples. There's also productions that did not need the tech they had and where it sort of felt forced upon you. Um, like and like the story could, <laughs> I, I don't know that, but I don't know if you yeah, saw it, but perhaps. it felt like there was a lot of tech that was put on so that like kids could kind of respond to, a screen versus what the actors were doing. So, but yeah, I just was trying to think of an example. Yeah, but, exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, so, you know, Megan and I prior to COVID had been sort of walking this interesting line between like in-person, very traditional theater and immersive exploratory theater and like experimental tech theater. Um, which, as Megan said, set us up perfectly for this mm -hmm. moment mm -hmm. when everyone suddenly had to pivot. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of... No, please go text, ahead. I just wanted to quickly add in, even from a textual perspective, when I'm writing a script, I'm not saying scenes, I'm saying experiences. Mm -hmm. So I like completely redrafted how I write an immersive script before this with words like fresh skin where mm -hmm. I created cycles and an entirely new like method in my writing that I'd never done before. So moving into the virtual landscape has been interesting because I've had to embrace that as well. It's not a film script, but there are elements of it that 
feel shortened and they mm -hmm. don't feel like they're taking the full length of the scene, but mm -hmm. it works in the context of the show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'd say rehearsals and directing the show, um, similar to what, what Megan just spoke on, uh, you find yourself sort of walking this interesting tightrope between traditional theater rehearsals and like blocking something for film and TV. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And the vo the vocabulary sort of switches in that way. You know, it's not downstage, upstage, stage right, stage left. It's like, um, like closer to the lens, further from the lens. Um, mm -hmm. Can you be on the right side of your rectangle? Can you be on the left side of your rectangle? Mm -hmm. um, we talked a lot about, you know, like this space, this rectangle that you mm -hmm. have on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And you have to curate it. Mm -hmm. This is your scenic design, this is your costume design, this is everything. Mm -hmm. um, and it's maybe and the I, new, like a new proscenium almost that we're looking at in terms of absolutely. a, uh, a rectangle. Think, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think, um, you know, like just to, to go back to theater terminology, like on Zoom, where is the fourth wall? Is there a fourth wall? How would you break it if there was one? Right. Um, mm -hmm. Also, in that sense, I think we we kind of did because if you're thinking about people running into the audience in any like in Christmas Carol this year when people were just like rushing into the audience, right? <laughs> um, I feel very much like by using the chat function mm -hmm. or bringing in an outside experience in like you know when we break the fourth wall when they did the prom we have a scene where they learn how to dance at a prom. Mm -hmm. So it's these strange ways that there yeah. is a feeling of theatricality because we're moving beyond the screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was reading that you guys would, you, you're pushing the Zoom limits, which I'm interested to learn about and how you're doing that. Um, but the chat boxes, it is interesting because you could, the actors can correspond with the audience immediately and they can write back and that becomes I don't know if that's incorporated in the show, but um, maybe just talk a little bit about how you're using Zoom. Because I noticed like you, there's a background that is facilitated like with the characters it almost looked like that it wasn't just like a um, like a generic kind of yeah. background. Um, so I, yeah, we, right. uh, we, we are lucky enough to be working with the students from Adelphi. Mm -hmm. um, and not only do they have an acting conservatory, but they also have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Technical Theater. Mm. Um, and so we we um, enlisted some of the tech students who had lost out on their spring shows. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, everything is just sort of like a modification. So scenic design becomes virtual mm. background curation. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, but I think... Everyone knows that you can do Zoom virtual backgrounds. Like we're all aware of it. We've all seen like how it can be used in a funny way, right? Mm -hmm. um, but so I still don't know how these, to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so many of these, no so many of these Zoom theater pieces we see, um, it's just actors in their homes, and mm -hmm. they're acting, and that's great. But like, to me, as as part of a team that produces what we call immersive theater. Mm -hmm. I, I was looking at Zoom saying, how do you immerse an audience that is always already separated by a screen from the performance? Mm -hmm. um, and how do we, even if it's not as much as we could do in a space, how do we do as much as we can? And so mm -hmm. one of the things that for me was missing from Zoom shows 
was time and place, mm -hmm. um, which is something that in the theater is oftentimes created by the narrative in conjunction with the scenic design and the costume design. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so by having the tech students working with us, we were able to create time and space. Mm. So there's, you know, the entire show takes place in a virtual learning platform. So every single actor has a virtual background that's a chalkboard, which mm -hmm. has been personalized to their character with like their character's name and like their favorite emoji or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, Are those blackboards like real or they're, they're digitalized? They're, they're digital. So they were they're created okay. in, in a chalkboard app by our scenic design team. Gotcha, gotcha, um, okay, cool. Yeah, it looks, I mean, the then, effect, the effect, what I'm just looking at looks so amazing. It looks really, because you're drawn in right away versus having just like the Zoom boxes. It feels like this is- Luxury of creating steps yeah. as well, which mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. a lot of people don't experience on the virtual backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And Shoshana did a great job of kind of like guiding them through, it's almost like staying in your light. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah 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 totally Staying in your virtual bat like so you're not fading into the backdrop it's, <laughs> it's it's so interesting the issues that come up when you're working on a zoom show that just become commonplace mm -hmm. but uh, but yeah I mean it was really a beautiful effect and I feel mm -hmm. like beyond that we utilized other elements like there was a poker room Oh yeah, there was like a game room yeah. and so mm. you could see the virtual poker behind them or there was a scene Megan wrote um, in which the, you know, we started all of this right when like we were in the the honeymoon of quarantine and <laughs> and everyone, everyone was on house party. Like, <laughs> like everyone was on right. house party and mm -hmm. you'd log into house party and you'd play Pictionary with your friends and that was like what <laughs> everyone did the first few weeks of quarantine. Mm -hmm. Um. And so Megan wrote this amazing scene that takes place in like a Pictionary lounge. Oh, mm, um, cool, yeah. And so when we were talking about how we would make that happen, we were like, okay, well, we could pre-record it in house party with all of the actors, and then we could play it as a screen share. And it was super complicated. And all of a sudden we were like, wait a minute, Zoom has a <laughs> whiteboard feature built in. <laughs> so like the actors can just like in real time, mm -hmm do Pictionary mm -hmm. um and like it's so it's so wonderful for an audience to be seeing two young people like in a conversation and then suddenly they're playing Pictionary mm -hmm. and like what does that lead to um just in the way that you would in a in a tv series or in a play you know mm -hmm. um I think um we really did try to push Zoom to its breaking point um, <laughs> and and in doing so, um, like, I think, uh, I think you, you read the DC theater scene article in mm -hmm. which we talk a lot about, um, the breakout rooms that we had mm -hmm. intended to use mm -hmm. and then ended up scrapping from the show. Like after in, we had like three invited dresses and tried to make them work and ended up scrapping them like the day before we opened, mm -hmm. um, which changed everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and our, our students are, champs and they're flexible um mm -hmm. which was mm -hmm. great but um I think again it's about the why so like yeah. we went into using breakout rooms because we thought it would emulate something that we had previously done during an in-person show mm -hmm. and it didn't work mm -hmm. and like 
I was really tied to it emotionally, just as a concept that mm-hmm. we should be able to do this. Um, and we tried to simplify and make it work. But at a certain point, you have to ask yourself, like, why are we using breakout rooms? What are we accomplishing? Is it enhancing the audience experience? And the answer to all of that was no. And then it's just sort of like, get over your pride and cut the breakout rooms <laughs> because the show's better without them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we initially started in with the breakout rooms to mimic that feeling we had experienced in the immersive theater with Mm -hmm. our cycles, where Mm -hmm. people were going into various rooms and having individual experiences. However, as we moved forward, just because Zoom is still not adapted to its full potential for performers. Um, Mm -hmm. Even now, they're making updates on a a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Because they're aware that so many performers and out-of-work Broadway actors are using Mm -hmm. Zoom. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's interesting because as we use these breakout rooms, which was really exciting about the tech, it kept slowing down the narrative. And the Mm -hmm. whole point of someone coming to a show is to experience a story, to have like a beginning, middle and end, to take a journey. Mm -hmm. And it was just taking too long at certain periods that for, especially we're already working with that limitation of having a screen that mm-hmm. someone could get up and go grab some cheese doodles or whatever. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like two or three important scenes of the show. Right, 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 right. <laughs> that luxury exists at home where you can mm-hmm. kind of do funny things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of just had to be resourceful. And I think in future, we'll come back to that idea because it is exciting and compelling once mm-hmm. they've done their updates and they have advanced this tech into something that's capable of like moving people around quickly. Mm-hmm. But just in the moment, it was slowing the whole play down. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. better part, but with everything, like mm-hmm. I would cut some dialogue because that was part of the conversation. It's like, how much can people take via a computer? Right, right. And that's a good question, I think, in terms of just where where the audiences are at, I guess. I don't know. I think it's I think it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, just one question about the TikTok that you incorporate into it. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Because I know nothing of TikTok and I don't understand it and I don't get it. And we don't. Just, <laughs> we did not get TikTok either. We don't either. It's <laughs> the stu- our students yeah, love TikTok. Right, right. It's an age and we were not aware of TikTok. But yeah. You know, it's funny because I feel like we forced ourselves to get TikTok and we still don't totally understand TikTok. Yeah, right. <laughs> it would be like, oh, we're going to TikTok and the students would lose their business. Mm-hmm. We would mm-hmm. be like, we're going to go check out the TikTok. And they'd be like, there's no the. It's just TikTok. You don't like to call it the TikTok. <laughs> the TikTok. <laughs> the two of us in quarantine, close to midnight texting each other being like look what I made on TikTok with our respective <laughs> animals mm-hmm. yeah yeah we were making we were making cat and dog TikToks with my dog mm-hmm. her cat and like mm-hmm. sending them to each other at two in the morning being yeah. like I figured out the TikTok yeah. <laughs> hey did I just TikTok mm-hmm. I'm I think not I sure and um, luckily we had a bunch of students who could TikTok mm-hmm. so it was <laughs> wonderful in this collaboration because we had a cut like Roswell Franklin is his mm-hmm. name. And he created these with Crystal Hernandez, created these amazing like puppet shows almost. Cause mm. I, I created this character called the Tempest. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the Tempest was almost like that newscast in your high school mm-hmm. where the TV club comes in and they're like doing weird stuff with all the gadgets they have. <laughs> um, 
And when I met, when Shosh and I met with them, it was very interesting because it was, it was a lot like, well, let's be creative. Like I put in the script, the words that I wanted to come out, mm-hmm. but they were just so wonderful in the collaboration because they understand TikTok. Yeah, 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 totally. And we were like, this is like a high school situation. Mm-hmm. Let's TikTok. Yeah. That's what high schoolers are doing. Totally. So, yeah, go of, ahead. Sorry, just to, uh, part of what happened was we had, um, so we've done the show <laughs> twice now um, mm-hmm. and had slightly different casts for both of them. And the show was rewritten slightly between the two. Mm-hmm. But um, in, in the first iteration, we had these two actors who were playing Rosencrantz and Guildenstern's modern adaptations, mm-hmm. which was a cu- at that, that time it was a couple, Roe and G. Mm-hmm. Um, and they created like on their own, a TikTok in character mm-hmm. and posted it and sh- and shared it with us. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, that's such an interesting concept because they're all high school students in, in the script. So then the, uh, the character development exercise became create a social media account um, for your character and post every day in mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. on social media. Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is. Yeah, I, um, I love that idea. I think that's so this idea of like Facebook accounts for characters, I think is really interesting. Oh, yeah, so uh, a lot of them did Instagram or TikTok. And then um, we let them do like takeovers of our company's Instagram account. So mm-hmm. they would like in character do a takeover and like post on social media throughout the day. Like mm-hmm. if what would their character do in the morning and what would their character do when they were getting ready? And, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, as a director, for me, I saw like a marked difference in how connected they were in rehearsal after mm-hmm. they had gone through this process. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think about like how much work young people put into curating their identities on social media mm-hmm. and like how much they think about how they're broadcasting themselves to the world and mm-hmm. to take on that task in character it's just like a super cool challenge. Oh yeah, um, totally. Mm-hmm. And I think like all of this sort of came to fruition while we were rehearsing act one and mm-hmm. Megan was writing act two and the TikTok feature is in act two. And so I think all mm. of this sort of was, was percolating as Megan was writing and watching rehearsals. And um, so during act two, we have two moments where TikTok is featured. Um mm-hmm. The first is when the the character M, who is our Miranda, um, mm-hmm. talks about how she's always wanted to be a cheerleader, and she plays her favorite TikTok dance that she's made for the audience, um, and it's like a cheer that she's done. Mm-hmm. And then the second time we have TikTok in the show is also in Act Two, and we have what we call our TikTok off, um, where audience members were invited to submit their own TikToks. Um, Oh, that's cool. I like that idea. Yeah, like 24 to 48 hours leading up to the show. And then we would play the five best TikToks we got from audience members. Mm -hmm. And the audience would then vote in real time in the chat for their favorite. Mm -hmm. And the the TikTok winner, Hmm. we would give a virtual background that they could use moving forward in their Zoom calls. Yeah, that's Um, cool. I like that a lot, actually. That's really cool. Yeah. Like interactive. Um, 
Yeah, I think so. I guess that leads me just to this. I, I'm just really curious. Well, first, I want to just go back to this word of immersive theater, because I think what you guys are doing is a new definition of immersive theater. Cause like when I think of this, um, this, that word, I think of like sleep no more. And I think of this kind of like really hands on touchy feely kind of theater. Um, but that's just like what my head, where my head goes. But I think it's interesting that you guys are like almost flipping it completely, but still expanding the word of um, immersion of how we're going to do this now without being able to touch each other or, you know, be close to each other. So that's an interesting idea. I had to unmute myself. I Sorry. think that's a big question right now. It's re regenerating intimacy in a world where it's lethal to touch. I mm -hmm. mean, that's the description of the piece. Mm -hmm. That was something that definitely um, I found interesting and inspiring when I entered the subject matter. Mm -hmm. I feel like intimacy as a term takes on so many faces mm -hmm. that even in the, in the whiteboard scene that Shoshana referenced earlier, it's, it's of a sexual nature. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're basically having a very intimate moment, so to speak, uh, via this whiteboard Pictionary scene. Um, and, and I feel like that can almost, in a sense, be scarier than mm -hmm. touching someone sometimes because it's, it's a distant intimacy and there's a strangeness to that. Also, I feel like intimacy was generated in these beautiful video blogs that a couple of our characters had. Um, I would write first-person diaries, almost like the school had given them the assignment to do these first-person diaries. So in two, in two senses, you're getting a sense of like the environment in the world, mm -hmm. while you're also meeting these characters and getting to know their secrets, their intimate secrets, dare I say. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like what Mishka did, the work that Mishka was doing, who played our Miranda, was some of the most intimate work I've seen on Zoom. And I don't, I don't feel like I'm tooting any horns here. Mm -hmm. I just feel like the sense of her leaning into the camera, it was all shot in a closet. I, I don't want to reveal too much of the, the story, but there mm -hmm. is a line attached to it that makes it feel dangerous. Um, so I feel like that's intimate and that is immersive in its own way mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. even though we're not touching, even though you're not getting your hair brushed by a stranger or you're getting asked questions, which I think are some of the tropes of our current immersive theater, which I love and which mm -hmm. both of us love and we go to pretty regularly when the world is open. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like it's that task of how do you, how do you keep the danger and partner it with intimacy on mm -hmm. a screen. Totally, yeah, 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 yeah. I think, um, mm -hmm. you know, immersive theater, there's so many like aspects to it. And there's like the obvious sense of like having walked into a warehouse and being immersed in mm -hmm. the world physically. Mm -hmm. um, but I think Megan touches on intimacy is such a huge part of immersive theater and these like, intimate experiences where like you're you're pulled away from the rest of the audience and you have this one-on-one -on -one moment right mm -hmm. 
you know, these things we hear about with Sleep No More, like where like one person gets to go like sit with mm-hmm. Lady Macbeth and keep a locket or whatever it is, you know, um, <laughs> or like, and then she felt, you know, like, and someone brushes your, like all of these yeah. things that are like super. Um, and I think that, you know, what's interesting is it's normally if you had an audience of 75 people and one person doing like a direct address to the audience to all 75 at once, it would not feel intimate at all. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. because of the construct of the screen, you as an audience member do not necessarily have a concept that there are 74 other people watching besides you. Mm-hmm. And so there's this really intimate thing that happens when there's only one person on your screen and they're looking into their lens. Totally. So it makes it feel mm-hmm. like they are making eye contact with you and mm-hmm. they are talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's there's some moments from our show and also I think there's like one other zoom show that I feel strongly where I felt like almost like, Oh my God, this is too intimate. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet there's like 50 other people watching. So it's not intimate at all, but there's this like false sense of intimacy because you don't have a sense of audience size. Right. Totally. And I think there's something when you are on the zoom, like, when you're acting on zoom, you can see your face and you can see mm-hmm. just details. I mean, I guess this is like anytime you film yourself, but because that's being filmed in real time and it's live, I think that's what you're speaking to just this, like that it creates this other a level of intimacy and intenseness that the audience is getting. Cause it's going to be di- different. Every time. Also a little Shakespearean, the idea of sense of self and how we're mm-hmm. also aware of ourselves on zoom. <laughs> yes. I, I'm, I wasn't even thinking in terms of that, but you know, the eye sees, but itself mm-hmm. like staring at ourselves. We're conscious of ourselves. We're mm-hmm. attempting to create intimacy with each other. Mm-hmm. It's, totally. I mean, it's just, it's such an interesting medium on so many levels that I feel like, like, artists have only touched the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what they can do with it. And I feel like also I'm going to say something a little controversial. (laughs) Um, Watch out. But I I, I genuinely feel like we're in this period of exploratory need. And Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of, there's a lot of pushback because we are all upset understandably that we've lost the art of live theater for the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think we all want that back tomorrow because there's something amazing and just visceral that you can't get here in live theater. However, I think there's so much to be mined from virtual theater that nobody's even thinking about because we're so fixing this earlier. Like there's always been a moment of transition in, in the arts. Like, Mm-hmm. We never would find the work we do today without the work of yesterday. Totally. Never yeah. would, we never would have to recreate, like, you know, when the globe burned down. It's just mm-hmm. like, it redefine what theater was. And mm-hmm. it was devastating and awful and everybody was upset, but it was this, this time of change mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and transition. And yeah. I just feel very much like right now we're in this space of, we were moving in this direction anyway. I mean, Mm -hmm. the the Mm -hmm. level of the amount of video games and apps in our daily lives, people are just losing attention spans. Right. Well, yeah, totally. Play is 90 Mm -hmm. minutes. Mm -hmm. Right. Literally 20 years ago, it's three hours. People (laughs) 
through three to four hour shows. And now mm-hmm. people look at that runtime and run for the hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the, the length of theater definitely ha- was the kind of biggest red flag of, of kind of this movement into this totally different thing. But I love that example of the globe burning down and this we're in this moment of pivot. And it's true because, you know, you said like the, the younger students that, you know, they have this grasp of technology that even, I mean, I don't think we're old in any way, but we are in a different kind of bracket of... We're women of a certain age. Exactly. We don't understand TikTok. <laughs> we don't understand TikTok in any capacity. Um, but it's like, I think that because of that, because there's this kind of younger generation that is so in tune with technology and especially right now that that will kind of, the need for the theater that they're seeking is going to change because they're not going to go sit in a theater maybe. Their kids, aren't they on tablets? I'm sure they oh, have yeah. tablets. Tablets, like, I feel like yeah, they're marketing screens. all of these screens to, mm-hmm. to kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so how are mm-hmm. they going to be able to grow up with an attention span that can sit through like a three-hour musical? I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it, especially for producers who need to make money, there is mm-hmm. going to be this level of like, well, what now? And we're moving into this generation of virtual reality, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're moving into this area of, of app integration, augmented reality, which is why it's so, my, I feel so lucky to be working with Shoshana because she's mm-hmm. always had this in the back of her head. Mm-hmm. No, it's, I mean, it's so great that you kind of had that. What was the, what was the catalyst for that for you before pre-COVID? Um. I think, uh, so I, when I went to grad school, I thought I was going to work on museum studies. Mm. Um, and I, I, wa- I went to performance studies as my discipline um, because I was interested in integrating new media into museums and libraries in a way mm. to make education more engaging. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at things um, sort of like all the ways that museums were not yet integrating new media um, in experiential immersive ways. And I have to say that like museums are kind of on the forefront of this stuff and libraries are actually, there's some really cool libraries that are doing some interesting like virtual escape rooms as teaching mechanisms. Mm. Um, But I think, uh, you know, I went to grad school and I took this class called performance and technology Mm -hmm. and we literally just studied and like all of these instances where technology had been integrated into live performance Mm -hmm. and like dissected them. And the big question was always the why. Um, And I got really into like this notion that every social media post is a perform, like a micro performance Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and sort of like the performance of identity online Mm -hmm. and how you can use social media as a stage and, just sort of went down a lot of rabbit holes uh, Mm -hmm. with all of that. Um, And then right after grad school, Megan approached me about directing uh, her play about Edna St. Vincent Millay. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I had been doing a lot of work with like performance art on Twitter right before then. Um, And Mm -hmm. so sort of explored initially with the Millay piece, like how someone who wrote long form poetry would be interpreted if you cut her text into 144 character bites, Mm. kind of. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that transformed itself into this like, uh, this 
projection experience where poetry was like dancing around the theater everyone was in. Um, yeah. We called it the, the digital poem moment. Um, and it was really cool. Was, so I think people literally yeah. stopped when it happened and just were, I think, shocked by it because it was unexpected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it like comes out of nowhere. Um, yeah. And I, I think so, you know, this has always been sort of like driving forward for me. Um, and I worked with <clears throat> some students in computer science at Adelphi on developing an augmented reality poetry app last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it functions kind of like Pokemon Go, except what you're chasing are not Pokemon, they're lines of poetry. Hmm. So um, that's so it was cool. Original- yeah, it, yeah. It's, so it was originally developed to be a Walt Whitman thing. And mm-hmm. so students were like traipsing around Adelphi University collecting lines of leaves of grass. And just mm. like, hmm. it's to me, it's really like, as an educator right now, you can, you can harp and harp and harp, but like put your phone away, get off the internet, pay mm-hmm. attention to me, all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Or you can steer into the skid and be mm-hmm. like, okay, mm-hmm. you're going to have your phone out? Cool, let's put poetry on your phone. Right, um, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. incentivize it and make it a game. I mean, the hope is to bring a similar app into the Edna St. Vincent Millay show. Like, Mm -hmm. that's our hope down the road, especially because that whole play is about exploring different ways that a poet thinks or writes or like Mm -hmm. the weird, jagged emotion. Like, you know, I think that's what's so interesting about this work. It helps you kind of enter that idea of what it feels like Mm -hmm. to live this wild rich extravagant lifestyle and to have that moment of inspiration like that aha moment totally. which well, is something that, that an, it's hard you know mm-hmm. to, isn't to that another definition of immersive though is mm-hmm. you're immersed in a play when you when you are put into the mindset of the character like when you can take on that point of view so, you know, we talked about Curious Incident, like, why is that so compelling? It's because you suddenly have a, a, even an inkling of understanding of what it is to live as the main character. Right. And mm-hmm. so with the poet, it's kind of like, what, is, what does new media have to do with a 19th century poet? And it's like, it's not about new media. It's about new media allowing the audience to potentially experience what it would be like to live inside the mind of a poet. But also, like, um, I feel like when I approached you, too, and I said to you, she was the Lady Gaga of, like, the 19, like, you know, the early 1900s, and you were just like, ah, I get it, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's like giving people that sensation of the reality of the moment instead of making it into a period piece in their heads. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just think there's something really so fresh and unique about the way that Shoshana directs these pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that really, as she continues to explore these different mediums, can translate into the future of what mm-hmm. an experience can be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're not necessarily I, saying it's going to be theater. We don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. Called. Well, I was good. Yeah. Yeah. The name yeah. Of what mm-hmm. we do. Right. And I, and feel I like every time we talk through a new piece, I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to cut you off. No, no, like, no. We talk through a new piece. We always have this moment where we're like, well, I guess it's not. We're not devising. We're not doing this. We're not mm-hmm. doing that. And we go, I guess we're doing something new. But what is what is that? And mm-hmm. how exciting and weird that feeling is when mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know the rules of this and we're creating the rules of this. And that mm-hmm. is something that I haven't experienced before. And mm-hmm. what a gift. What yeah. a gift. 
Yeah, totally. And I was just going to like, my question is going to be like, what is, you know, what is theater in this kind of capacity, but even the definition of theater, like what you were just saying about the Facebook thing, like you're right. Like you could do, you could have a visceral theatrical moment by someone going on Facebook and like creating some character that's either divisive or whatever. And just, and I mean, yeah, you're right. People do that all the time. Like there's personas and blurred realities of things. And I'm like, yeah, that, that can be theater. Like that's, that's, yeah. Is catfishing someone a performance? Totally. You know, like, I mean, there's, there's a whole (laughs) philosophical level that we could get to on like, what is acting? What is performance? Totally. Hey, this all takes us back to Dada, right? If you throw a toilet seat on the wall, (laughs) I hate to say, but it's true. If you throw a toilet seat on the wall, is that art? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like what mm-hmm. is art and what mm-hmm. is what is the art that we need to make or what is the art that's going to unsettle us like a toilet seat on the wall totally yeah and yeah and I guess we, I'll just ask a few more questions and then you guys can fully plug everything so that everybody knows because I definitely want to watch this <laughs> and come to the performance but um so let's say tomorrow everything is back to normal we can start theater in actual buildings again everybody's safe would you continue with this digital platform moving forward? Or like, would you feel that there's this need to go back to the way that it was? Um, or would you fuse the two of the, the hybrid, the hybrid <laughs> of both? Um, I think, I think it's a hybrid for me. Um, and I, that can look like many things like, a hybrid can be you do in-person theater the way you used to do and you do Zoom theater the way we're doing it right now and and you do shows that are kind of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing we haven't talked about at all, um, which is a big part of the conversation about the push to digital is access um, mm-hmm. and this idea that um, by opening up mm-hmm. the performing arts to audiences that are not located in New York City or the West End of London, that we are providing access to people who otherwise would never get to see these shows. You know, that that in their life, it is not going to happen to travel to New York and see right. Hamilton on Broadway. Right, um, right, right. And so I think there is a, there's a big discussion to be had about, even if it's just digitizing an in-person performance and making it available that there is there is um a lot of people who have access to performing arts like they've never had before Mm -hmm. um i'm just gonna touch on one totally different thing and then um which is megan and i are working on a brand new piece um which is is just being conceptualized like in its nascent baby stages Mm -hmm. um but part of what we are exploring in this piece is a hybrid model um, and uh, this is all super TB, TBD, depending <laughs> on the set, on the second wave and when that hits and what that does to our ability to be hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're exploring a show that would live on zoom and it would be performed live. Um, but one of the performers would log into zoom from inside of a theater mm-hmm. where they would be performing solo with a cost with a it's a lion king-esque puppet it's a very big this puppet. Care, it's a very big puppet um <laughs> and so 
this particular character, rather than zooming in from their home with a green screen, would be zooming in from the theater mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with this massive Lion King puppet. And so we're doing this sort of like, that part is real, but it's still being presented on Zoom. And I, I just bring this up as an example of something that is like hybrid in a way that I don't think people have really considered yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Loni, in terms of just this, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, it's such a question mark to me of, like, are we going to really go sit in a theater and take in this art for many reasons? Because not just people being scared, but also just, like, even before this, I think it was a struggle to do theater in general, especially off-off-Broadway stuff, especially, you know, getting people to come to your shows was always seems to be a struggle. So now it's like, well, if you're going to put your stuff out there, then do it the easiest possible way because, or not the easiest, but the most like tangible way, because it's going to be a big, steep learning curve, you know, and there's beautiful, like there's beautiful there's so articles about this right mm-hmm. now. Um, not just in terms of what we're discussing, but also the idea of the fact that when the pandemic hit, a lot of material was made free to stream Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, which has mm-hmm. left a lot of people feeling like they've given away art for free in many instances. Mm-hmm. And now we're very used to that dynamic. So as a result, mm-hmm. trying to monetize work now, mm-hmm. especially in hybrid stages before we move back to full productions, is pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm very curious to see what happens within the, I think the next six months are really going to tell us a lot in mm-hmm. terms of a, what's going to happen with COVID, right? Mm-hmm. But B, also, as theater starts to reopen, as productions start, even we're talking about live music, we're talking about any in-person mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and if people can manage to go to these without getting sick, mm-hmm. then it becomes, well, what are the protocols? And is it, is it, an, an, is it an enjoyable experience? Right, it's, it com- right. it's like, is there an enjoyable experience? Because I think, you know, most people right now are like, I'm just going to watch Netflix. Like, that's fine because it's, you know, I mean, there's this element of it of like, who is really going to go? And, you know, is it going to come back in that full capacity? You know, like, will Barclay Center be packed with people to go see Leonard Cohen? I know, but it harkens (laughs) back to that conversation always after World War II where there was a huge boom in entertainment because everyone was like really depressed and they wanted to be entertained, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the film industry had a bit of a boom. Uh, I feel like people are going to be super depressed and in need of being around people when all of this is said and done. And I mm-hmm. do feel like they're going to crave theater. Will they crave theater at the high ticket prices given the amount of jobs lost and the economic crisis? Mm-hmm. I don't I yeah. don't know. And I, <laughs> Providing these types of experiences that are hybrids almost. So it feels like you didn't just watch, you didn't just binge watch another Netflix show. Like right, you, right. you time to go to something, it felt somewhat theatrical. Even what you've been doing outside sounds mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah, it's been good. We only did it one time, but it's, I mean, there's a nice element of, uh, you know, just... connecting within these boundaries, you know, I mean, we're wearing the masks, like it's six feet. It's like, and that's the whole other thing. I think the whole idea of the mask wearing is so interesting of like how, like, I feel like instead of, you know, 
doing these bubbles for film. Like, why isn't everyone just wearing masks? Because this is our reality. Like, if we're writing reality, like, let's just write in the masks or write, you know, this is what people are doing. So if we're outside, like, everyone have the mask on. I don't know. I just think it's like, we're, it's so hard to, you know, get a handle on it. I mean, there is, I will say, I've seen a pilot that does incorporate using Zoom. Um, Oh, yeah. And it's actually really smartly written. I just don't know even how that, because I guess it's pre-recorded. That's a whole art in of itself. Like when mm-hmm. you see all of the Zoom productions, mm-hmm. there's this delicate balance between do we pre-record? Do we do mm-hmm. live? Right. What yeah. less chintzy? What looks more palatable? Our eyes are so used to this HD, high definition, <laughs> uh, excellent film. Right. Like, no so mm-hmm. now that we've been watching like wonky Zoom theater, we're all like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we all have strange yeah. immediate reactions to seeing things that don't seem polished. Yeah, or high depth, right? Faith, and I, uh, I, I personally really love that. Like, I love seeing inside people's houses, and I love that. Like, there's celebrities that you know they're dressed down, they're still doing their shows, but like they don't have the makeup, they don't have. And I'm like, yes, this is this is better. I like I respond more to that than like going back into these full productions of. But, you know, but that being said, I feel like you watch a movie, like, um, we watched The Master, <laughs> because we did this whole I did Paul too. Th- we watched, I watched this- last night. Oh, my God. We did this whole Paul Thomas Anderson, like, retrospective, and I was Get like... Out of my head. <laughs> I was, like, looking at that movie, and I was like, wow, like, will there ever be, like, huge amounts of crowd scenes and a historical piece that's going to take so much, you know, makeup and costuming and people, just people, people, people. I'm like, are we ever going to see that anytime soon? Maybe not, but who knows? You know, it's just interesting. I, ha- I have a lot of friends who are full-time um, stand-ins and background actors mm-hmm. um, who are, you know, over a decade into earning their pension and they get their health uh, insurance through SAG yeah. and AFTRA. And, um, mm-hmm. and that is an, that is an industry which you don't read anything about on um, in the news right now mm-hmm. of hundreds of thousands of people who are going to permanently be out of work because oh, you're yeah. right. We're not, we're not getting back to that anytime soon and probably at all. Mm-hmm. And we were already, I mean, this is the negative side of tech. We were already on our way to like CGI crowd scenes. Right. And mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is the thing that's going to push us the rest of the way there. Um, yeah. 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 And yeah. that's terrifying, you know? Yeah, I know. But, but you guys, to end on a positive note, I feel like what you're doing <laughs> is amazing. And you guys have like such an awesome vision. And I really think it is this line of theater that is immersive and it is interactive and it isn't just sitting at, in front of Netflix drinking wine. It's like, you know, you guys are really doing something different. So I really applaud you and I applaud you for being pioneers during this time because we need people to redefine this and it will be redefined and we will look back and we will say like, wow, these are people that really were able to do it. So I really congratulate you and, um, and tell everybody the dates and every, all the info. So go for it. (laughs) Sure. Um, go ahead, Shoshana. Um, so our, (laughs) (laughs) um, we, uh, sorry. We have a fully pre-recorded version of our most recent production of Two Solid Flesh, which will be streaming through um, an organization called Artery. Mm -hmm. Um, And it will be on our YouTube channel. um, And it is this coming Friday, the 28th at 7.30 p.m., followed by a uh, 
panel of theater professionals who um, have successfully pivoted to some sort of virtual model for their mm -hmm. organization, um, mm -hmm. discussing sort of the future of theater. Mm -hmm. And then the following Thursday, September 3rd at uh, 7 p.m., followed by a Q&A um, with Megan and Dr. Brian Rose, who is a Shakespeare professor, mm. um, on what what is the definition of a Shakespeare adaptation? What does it mean to contemporize or adapt Shakespeare? And why is now an important time to be doing that? Amazing. That sounds so awesome. <laughs> and all of this, sorry, I'll just, I'll finish the plug. All of this information is readily available and can be found on our website, which is likefreshskin.org. Amazing. Well, thank you guys both so, so much. I really appreciate everything. And you motivate me to keep doing all this stuff. And I hope that you just have such success and if there's other things you want to talk about, come back and um, yeah, just cheers to immersive theater. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. That's it, folks. That's all the time that we have for today. I want to thank my guests, Megan Loney and Shoshana Tarkov for their time. And please check out their show. Um, just a side note, I will be per performing this Saturday at the mall in Central Park at 1 p.m. with a project called The Living Murals Project. It's uh, really bite-sized theater, 60 seconds or less. Uh, you can walk by, you can get a monologue, you can get a little snippet of a scene. Um, me and Joel will be performing in it, and it's really fun, interactive, uh, safe, six feet. We're doing all the precautions, so um, if you're in the park, come check us out. Until next time, be well.